0: Hello and welcome to The Story, a podcast where great stories are shared and told. Do you love being immersed in drama, romance, and suspense? Do you like to forget about the world you live in and step into someone else's world? Do you like to fall in love with characters that seem so real that you can identify with them and you just can't stop thinking about them? Well, you have come to the right place. This is a podcast that does just that. I narrate my second book, Rise of a Source Survival, where each week I read out a chapter of my book and I encourage other writers to join me in sharing some of the stories they have written. It's all about support and listening to a good story. So join us and embark on a journey of storytelling. Hello and welcome back to the podcast in episode 14. I hope you've all been enjoying the book so far and thank you for taking the time to listen. I know you could be doing a hundred other things right now so I am grateful that you spend this time to listen to the podcast. We have had a quiet week and I've started reading Con Con Eagleton's latest book Lion. This book has just been released this year and if you're a history buff like I am I'm sure you will love it. It is a story about the rise and fall of a great empire, and it is the first book in a series, The Golden Age After the Gods. As I've mentioned before, Con is a fantastic storyteller, so I highly recommend his work. Okay, let's do a recap of last week's episode, Betrayal. It was one packed full of drama. We heard about how furious Merrick was with Eleanor when she finds him with Zuri. When she came to tell him about her pregnancy, we soon heard that it seems Zuri had beaten her to it, making Eleanor feel a deeper hatred towards the exotic and beautiful woman. The ancient seer mind travels with Andrew and Ada, seeking survivors, and soon learns of the extent of the wrath that the Asur has unleashed by the way of fire on the majestic forest. They find villages that are hiding from the Asur and see dreams for them to reunite with Merrick. In the hidden valley. Tallet advises Eleanor to work on her marriage, hinting that Merrick has found another, which confirms her suspicions about how serious the relationship is between Merrick and Zuri. Flamer taunts Eleanor after he brings Merrick's ring, and Kriya struggles to come to terms with her father's death. Ulrich and his companions make it to Shikurta village. They are soon surrounded by a group of warriors and then taken to the village to meet their own seer. Ulrich informs him of the, vi- the forest burning before Penkomi is taken captive and Ulrich's dog, Gigi, is killed by one of the evil seer's warriors. The episode ends when they are taken from the village and left in the forest with nothing but the clothes on their backs and a heartbroken Ulrich. I hope you enjoyed this next episode. So get the and enjoy. They had settled back in their bodies as the sun rose. Their minds troubled. Ada, you cannot leave yet. The seer of Shakurta Village knows who Ulrich is. I think I've underestimated him. He is much more powerful than I ever imagined. seer looked exhausted. Concern was written on his face, and he held a faraway look. We have to be smarter than him, Ada said in a quiet voice. Andrew and the the seer admired the young girl. She was brave and had tenacity. You were right. Dear Ada, Andrew reached out and patted her arm. So, how do we do that? The seer offered Ada an encouraging smile. Ada frowned. She did not know and had no answers to give them. Sure, the gods will help. There has to be a way. You are right, Ada, but we are nearly out of time. This has now cost us another delay. We cannot keep Merrick and his people hidden forever. Do we know if there were any other groups that survived? Anja asked the seer. The seer thought for a moment. To be honest, I have no idea. I have not picked up on any groups, and I'm sure if it would if, if it would be wise to look for others, we simply do not have the time. The seer rubbed his chin, contemplating Anja's question. Ludwig came into the room, interrupting the seer's thoughts. Master, there are people coming. Seer rose surprised and the now familiar feeling of fear gripped him. He looked at both Anja and Ada. They both shook their heads, surprise also on their faces. The seer never had uninvited guests. His cottage was hidden and protected within the forest. A thought crossed his mind. Had the forest been burnt that much? That he wasn't so well concealed? He had not thought to check the forest that close to home. Instead he had focused on casting his search, far and wide cursed himself for being so foolish. How far are they, Ludwig? Ludwig paled. They are almost here, master. The seer cursed under his breath. I guess we shall go and greet them then. Merrick absently rubbed the finger that once wore the ring Eleanor had given him on their wedding day. He still felt a slow burning anger within him for her betrayal, even though he had calmed down somewhat. Since he had heard of her pregnancy, he still couldn't fathom why she'd let herself become a child. He washed his face at the river, his head hurt from the red drink, and the night was a blur of images. Quickly pulled the tunic over him and ran his fingers through his hair. Could not be bothered to tie it back. Felt hungry and wondered what he could have for breakfast. As he made his way back to Emsy's camp, he saw Flamer making his way towards him. His younger brother irritated him at the best of times, and today he was not in the mood to entertain his silly, jealous fantasies. Here you are, Flamer grinned. Make it. I don't have the time, Merrick growled. Eleanor has your ring. Flamer waited for Merrick's reaction. Merrick felt like striking his brother, but knew it would do no good. He was baiting him. So, she can have it. Merrick continued his path to the camp, ignoring Flamer. Flamer felt an immense hatred well and wash over him. He'd wanted he had wanted to antagonize Merrick adding fuel to his anger. instead he was left speechless as he watched him go vowing he would make his life difficult Mary was making tea when Merrick arrived at the camp. she smiled. once again Merrick was taken aback with her beauty she was stunning It's wondering where you' had gotten to? I thought you might want some tea, especially after last night. She gave a soft chuckle. Merrick smiled and took the cup she offered. He was not sure what had happened, but he had woken up to her next had woken up next to her earlier that morning. A pang of guilt crept over him. He still was married to Eleanor, never been with another woman. They had been together. He still loved his wife, she had been, realised was still a big part of his world what are you thinking? He looked at Surya and gave her a smile. Just what I have to do today, he lied. Which is? He shook his head. Lots of things, nothing for a beautiful woman to worry about. He took a sip of his tea as she put her arm around his waist. Merrick stiffened a little, not resist her. Ah, here you both are, Emsie called out. He held up a pair of rabbits. Breakfast? You read my mind, Merrick chuckled. Eleanor hid the ring in a leather pouch in a corner of her tent, thought to visit the healer to see if she could give her a leather choker, which she would thread through the ring. Her hurt was turning to acrimony, and she was at the mercy of it. Changing into a fresh tunic, she quickly tied her hair into a braid and set off to Serenity's camp. "'I've been expecting you,' I gave a warm smile. "'Talk to your husband?' Eleanor shook her head. "'No longer my husband.' Serenity clucked her tongue. Eleanor, a heart full of bitterness is one that will consume you. It is not a healthy choice. She gave her a stern look. Eleanor felt herself blush, but did not respond. I've come to see if you could make me a leather choker. Healy evaluated Eleanor for a moment. Okay, I won't ask why. I guess you have your reasons. Come, let us have something to eat first. I've made some porridge. It is the last of my oats I brought with me. I'm not sure how long we'll be here for, but if it is a while we will need to sow some crops. Eleanor took the steaming bowl of oats and ate hungrily. Serenity filled a cup with tea and handed it to her when she'd finished the food. She watched her for a moment before going into the tent to find some leather. It did not take her long before she'd made her the choker. She handed her the leather necklace. Thank you, Eleanor said as she took the band. The healer nodded her reply. Plamer came to see me today. He had Merrick's ring. Eleanor shifted uncomfortably as she spoke to the healer. Ah, is that why you wanted the leather choker? Eleanor blushed with embarrassment. Healers were so insightful. Why are you so ready to give up on your marriage to Merrick, Eleanor? You need to fight for him. Eleanor felt annoyed at the medicine woman. It was not her fault that her husband did not want her or her unborn child. How can I make someone want me and our child when it is clear he does not? He is a man for one and is under enormous pressure, not to mention the stress of keeping his people alive. From, a man, from an enemy we are still trying to figure out. Eleanor took a moment before she answered. I love him, Serenity, but he has hurt me a lot. I think he's in love with another woman. As she revealed her biggest fear, she felt a fresh set of tears. Angrily she wiped them away. And it's not like he didn't know about the assault. He was a protector. Her voice had started to raise as she tried to had started to rise as she tried to justify her feelings. The healer stayed quiet. Eleanor wiped her face. Exhaustion began to creep its way back. As she rose from her sitting position, the healer looked up at her. Your children will be reunited with you and I think that will help bring you together again. Strength is in family, and staying by one another's side. Your children will be your strength, Eleanor. Eleanor sighed, I hope so. Go and sleep, dear, you are carrying the future. Take care of yourself. Eleanor smiled gratefully at the medicine woman, before turning to make her way back to her small, lonely camp. The sun was fully awake when they exited the seer's cottage to see who it was that was paying them a visit. The seer was deeply concerned that none of them had been been able to pick up on the vibrations of their uninvited guests. Be alarmed, they mean you no harm. The voice had come from nowhere and it startled the seer. He looked up at the blue summer sky as if he would find who it belonged to up in the air. He shook his head and smiled to himself. They had all heard the mystery voice and none of them knew who it belonged to. One thing was certain it appeared to have no intention of harming them. There were three riders a young woman an older man and a teenage boy. Their horses were close to exhaustion as they came in at a fast pace. A white leather white lather of sweat glistened under their saddles their flanks heaving, heaving as their riders pulled them to a halt. The seer watched as the older man turned in his saddle, looking back at the way he had come. It was evident they were running from something. Safe here for the moment, the seer did not take his eyes off the man, and soon he began to feel the man's energy and vibration. An avalanche of memories, traumas and thoughts came at him, and he took a deep breath. The man turned back to face the seer, satisfied for the moment that they were safe. Why don't you give the horses to Ludwig to feed and take care of, and you can come inside for some tea? The older man looked suspiciously at the odd-looking man standing to one side. It is okay, he loves horses. He may look different, but he is harmless. The man took another long look at Ludwig before nodding to the other two riders to dismount and give the reins to Ludwig. "'he was only too happy to take them. "'Please come inside. "'You can use the kitchen to freshen up. "'Ada will get you a jug of water to wash.' "'The seer gave them a reassuring smile. "'The man hesitated before following Ada "'inside the stone and timber home. "'The seer waited seated on his cushion. "'As Angie quickly put together some of the leftovers, "'she knew their guests would be ravenous.' As the newcomers filed into the room where food and tea waited, the older man went over to the window. The seer watched him as he looked out, as if he was expecting someone. It's okay, Papa, please sit down. The young girl had bitten into one of the cakes and was watching her father. She was quite thin with long honey brown hair. The seer could feel her energy. She was kind and shy, devoted to her family. He frowned when another vision came to mind. It was not quite clear, but he picked up that it led to another path. He sighed. He would have to meditate later. He knew they would not be leaving today. We can't stay long. It's not safe. The man had turned away from the window. His face was weathered, and a look of fear was permanently creased upon it. You cannot leave just yet. Your horses need rest, and besides, where would you go? the seer said softly. The man began to pace. Papa, please sit down. The teenage boy went over to his father. His hair was the shade of the setting sun and he was quite tall for his age. The man looked at his son and nodded. Have something to eat with your tea. Andrew handed him a cup with a plate of food. The seer watched them for a short while as they ate and drank. When he was sure they had had enough to satiate their hunger he asked them and why they were here curiosity was gnawing at him and he sought clarity from the images that flooded his mind the man swallowed the mouthful of food with a gulp of tea i am maitland this is kaya my daughter and my son rory we are from shakurta village and have run away from the evil that lives there the seer cocked his head, intrigued by what the man had just told them. Our seer has made a pact with the devil. He murdered my wife. The man paused. The pain of her loss was still, o- the pain of her loss was still obvious. Go on, Maitland. Angela encouraged him gently. Was the healer of the village, and from the long line of seers, she knew his heart had turned to evil. It was a threat. She'd become a threat when she started to warn our leader and the ancient tree, Arius. Before she was taken from us, she warned me to take the children and run. I didn't believe her until she was killed. After that, I didn't leave straight away. The seer had placed a guard outside our hut and watched our every move. It was a living hell. Maitland took another gulp of tea. We started having these strange dreams of how we could run away and that the trees would help us. I'm sure it was the gods sending us the messages. They told us to flee and come here. Well, that is what the dreams told us. He grew quiet and did not add anything more. The seer looked at the family of three and he wondered why they had been spared. Once again, the feeling of a different... to mind. He looked at the girl She was barely more than 16 years, and her brother no more than 13 years of life. Earl intrigued him, and he frowned as he observed her energy. She radiated an aura of calmness and inner peace, something a healer or seer would have. It instantly clicked why they had been spared. The gods were choosing people for the future, in a hope that mankind had one. He contemplated this thought, and knew there would be a connection somehow but he just wasn't quite sure what it was. He looked at Anja, who'd been watching him. She smiled and gave a brief nod. She knew all the thoughts he just had. The forest is on fire. The seer pulled his gaze away from Anja. stood it on Kaya. The asaur burning the trees alive. They want to rid the world of it. They will come for us once they have finished. "'How much of the forest is gone?' the seer asked her. "'It took us weeks to get here. The asaw were everywhere. "'The trees formed tunnels for us to hide when they could. "'Like I said, they have been burnt alive. "'There is so much of it gone, "'along with the villages and the people that used to live in them. "'They are getting close to where we are now.' "'The seer felt the fear clutch at his chest, "'and he took a slow, deliberate breath trying to slow his racing heart. "'How long do you think we have before they get here?' he asked her. He bit her lip, lower lip, thinking. A week, maybe two, but that's it. She looked directly at the seer. He sighed. Although they had hoped to leave today, it would not be possible. The newcomers needed to rest, including their horses. Ludwig came into the room not long after they had finished eating. Concern was etched on his face. Master, the seer smiled at his faithful servant. It was apparent now that Ludwig would be coming with them. He could not leave him behind. The usurper would see his cabin and burn him alive in it. Yes, Ludwig, what seems to be the problem? Ludwig, the horse's shoe. One of the horses has pulled up lame. I've put on new shoes, but he has a sprained fetlock from all the hard riding. That is the gelding of mine. I didn't have time to rest him. I had no choice. Maitland looked at Ludwig apologetically. "'How long do you think before he will be all right to ride again?' the seer asked. He was beginning to feel frustrated. Time would not wait. "'A week at least, master.' "'Okay, we will leave in a week. I suggest we get some rest. We have a lot to prepare. Ada, can you help Ludwig with the poultices to put on the horse? We cannot leave it behind. Too valuable.' We must make haste to the valley where Merrick is hiding. Merrick? I've heard of that name in my dreams, Maitland said. Yes, he is the son of Igenbrook and Anja, former leader of the Protectors. We we are to meet with him in a hidden valley before the great battle begins. Maitland merely nodded. It all made sense. His dreams were coming to fruition. Ulrich rested under one of the tall oak trees. Tears spilt down his face. The wolf tried to lick them dry, and he buried his fur face into his dense, coarse coat. Crea and Catcher looked over at the young man, feeling for his loss. You should go and talk to him, Catcher suggested. Crea sighed. Catcher was right. She was his aunt, and she knew how she how she would feel if she had lost her wolf. She made a way to Ulrich. The wolf looked at her expectantly his dark eyes expressive. She bent and ruffled his coat, earning her his wet tongue. Ulrich watched the interaction and felt an immense sadness, his beloved canine friend gone forever. Kriya sat down next to Ulrich. The gods now, Ulrich, there is nothing you can do, and I know you are sad, but we have to make a plan. He looked at him, offering him a sympathetic smile. Ulrich wiped his face. He knew he had to be strong, He would grieve more once he had some quiet time to himself. I'm okay, Kriya. I can't sit here crying all day. I have to take vengeance against those who are the symbol of all that is evil. He offered a smile. Kriya opened her arms and embraced her nephew. You'll make a great leader someday, Ulrich. The words brought a soft chuckle. Oh, I never want to be a leader. It is way too hard. She laughed at his words and released her hold. It was time they made a plan. The sun had risen high in the sky, bringing with it a stifling heat. Ulrich looked at the trees, hoping they could provide some way of telling them where they could find water. He remembered the time when they'd been fighting the witches in a dark, forbidden forest, and when he'd needed help to escape the Assaw. He had laid his ear to the trunk and had heard it speak his name. Maybe the trees could talk to him in a similar way. He knew it was worth a try and laid his ear to the large oak he'd been sitting under. At first there was nothing and then faintly he heard his name. Water that you seek, blow the darkened trunks. He pulled his head away before laying it again against the trunk of the tree. Follow the darkened trunks, came the response. He looked at Katcha and Kriya. ''We have to follow the trees with the dark trunks.'' They both nodded and began to look for trees with darkened trunks. It was not long before they saw one and made their way towards it. One after another they followed the trees and before long the gurgling sound of a small creek could be heard. They drank their full and rested on the bank. ''Something is strange about their leader,'' Catcher said. ''How do you mean?'' Crea asked. ''He didn't say anything.'' It was like he was hypnotised. I mean, his eyes were glass, like he didn't bat an eyelid. That is strange for a leader. I agree, Catcher. I was thinking the same thing when we were there, Ulrich answered. The seer must have him under some power, and I bet the same as for the ancient tree, the Kriya added. Both Catcher and Ulrich agreed. Have to get to the seer and break the spell. "'I need Ada, but I think she cannot infiltrate my thoughts "'as the seer is too close,' Ulrich mused. "'We have to come up with a plan to get to the leader "'and the tree without the seer, "'and I'm not sure how we will do that,' Ulric looked at Katrin and Kriya. "'Both did not have an answer.' "'Eleanor woke and looked up at the tent ceiling. "'Hunger gnawed at her and she groaned. "'She always seemed to be hungry.' She propped herself up and grabbed the water skin next to her bed of furs. She took a long drink. It had become quiet. It was proving to be a scorching summer. Eleanor stretched and got up combing her hair with a treasured brush. She was determined to get on with her life, with or without Merrick. She decided to go to the river and have a swim. It would refresh her. She grabbed a handful of berries that she kept for a quick snack it would do for the time being. She grabbed the piece of material she used for a towel and made a mental note to pick some herbs later that day. It soon dawned on her she would have to hunt or ask someone to hunt for her. She did not have a husband or son that would provide for her. She sighed as the thought came to mind. She had no idea how long Merrick planned on not talking to her or if he had any desire to get back with her. Though the thoughts still hurt her, she was getting better at how she reacted to them. The sun beat down a shimmering heat that sucked the moisture from the earth below. It was oppressive and energy depleting. As en- Eleanor neared the waterhole that was used to swim and bathe, it became apparent that others shared the same idea. Children and adults alike played in the water, relishing the reprieve it gave them from the hot day. Eleanor looked around. She could not see Merrick. Talit was sitting on a rock that sat next to the water's edge. Ganika sat next to him. She gave them a wave and a brief smile before finding a quieter spot for herself. Water was cold despite the heat, and it came as a shock as she entered it. Forcing herself to go in further, she swam to the outer edge, preferring to be away from the others that were enjoying the same waterhole. She dived under, feeling the coolness and freedom it offered. She came up back up to the top and climbed out to sit on the bank, basking in the sun. Her tunic clung, clung to her, highlighting the small bulge. She knew people would start to notice soon. She laid down, enjoying the moment, pushing the thought away. As she closed her eyes, she heard shouts from across the waterhole. She ignored them. The voices grew, la- grew louder and she propped herself up onto her elbow, squinting against the glare of the sun as she looked over to find out what was causing the commotion. Two men had become involved in a heated argument as they began to push each other, tempers flaring. Tallett had rushed over to one of the men, pulling him away. Another man grabbed the other, restraining him as he yelled obscenities against the other. A minute went past as the two men wrestled to be let go. As Eleanor watched, she noticed the crowd step aside and Merrick come between the two men. Instantly, they lowered their heads. The immense respect they had for their leader was evident. Merrick gave them both a stern warning, with them to leave the waterhole. He was an impressive man, standing tall and powerful. His hair pulled back in a bun, his beard hung loose, and he wore only trousers, his chest bare. Although Eleanor could not hear the, his words, she could make out that he had told everyone to return what, to what they were doing. She watched him talk to talent before the tall blonde woman came to stand next to Merrick. Eleanor sucked in her breath as she watched her put her arm around the handsome leader. The crowd had also no- noticed and a murmur rippled through them. As Eleanor continued to watch, a woman pointed to her, and the group of people turned to look at her, basking on the rock. Eleanor felt a self-blush. The rumours had started. A valley full of people who'd been on the run with no entertainment, or distraction from their constant fear of the so- all. It was no wonder that they craved for something that resembled normalcy, albeit be the drama between their leader and his wife. Zuri looked over at Eleanor, a satisfied smile on her face. Eleanor clenched her fists. She despised the woman. She knew she was antagonizing her. Merrick gave a quick glance in her direction. Eleanor tried to catch his eye, but he averted her gaze. It was not long before he bid Talbot farewell for the rock pool. Eleanor sighed. Now the talk of the valley would be her. Life was about to become much more difficult. People continued to stare and whisper for a while until they grew tired of the drama that was unfolding between their leader and his wife. Once they'd either left or continued with their activities, Eleanor made her way back to the other side of the water pole. She grabbed her towel and wrapped herself in the rough fabric. Her appearance on the side that was close to the group of people still enjoying the water created another wave of whispers. Eleanor ignored them and made her way back to her camp. Talit was roasting a hare, and her mouth instantly began to water. She gave him a smile, grateful that he appeared to be cooking some fresh meat for them to share. Talit, you must have read my mind. I'm famished. Thank you. Please, let me go and change. I'll be out in a minute. He nodded without saying a word. Eleanor quickly changed into a fresh tunic and pulled her hair up into a bun, before heading back out to join Talit at the fire pit. He had carved slices of the meat and placed it on a plate which he handed to Eleanor. who sat next to him. Thank you, Talit. I would make some tea, but I feel that it is way too hot to have a hot beverage. I can't stay. Merrick asked me to check on you. Some things to do. He turned to leave. Wait! Eleanor placed placed the plate on the log before getting up. Have I done something wrong? You are acting different, and besides, I can't eat all this on my own. She indicated to the leftover meat that was still sitting on the spit. Do not want to get involved between you and Merrick. He is a good friend and leader. Eleanor narrowed her gaze. I thought you were my friend too. Talbot did not look at her, keeping his eyes down. I have to go. Eleanor watched him leave. The emptiness began to return. Sia asked Ludwig to make up the spare room for the new arrivals. Kaya offered to help and went with Ludwig to set up the room. Rory excused himself, heading out to the stables to see the horses. The seer poured himself and Maitland another cup of tea and settled back into the cushion he was perched on. Maitland, Maitland eyed him reproach, reproachfully, taking a sip of the tea. "'I have a dilemma, Maitland,' that involves a small group of very brave souls that are trying to to infiltrate your village. My vibrations have picked up that they have run into a little trouble and I can't go to them due to obvious reasons. The seer sighed and took a sip from his cup before continuing. I was wondering, actually. I was hoping that you could help me. What are your thoughts about your seer? What is his weaknesses? The seer looked at Maitland offering him a tight smile. He knew Ulrich and his group had been abandoned in the forest. Maitland looked out the window that he had peered out earlier. He had finally been able to relax, and exhaustion had crept in. Sleep was starting to beckon. He rubbed his chin, thinking and reflecting on what the sea had just asked him. My wife would tell me that the Assault want to reduce the earth to a barren wasteland. They will stop at nothing to achieve this. They will wipe the forest clean from the soil they are anchored to. I think our seer knew she knew this, and that is why he feared her. She was dangerous to him. The seer nodded. Go on, Maitland. You have more to say. I can feel it. Maitland let his gaze go back to the window and the view that it gave. The trees created a breathtaking backdrop, and it saddened him to think they would be gone soon, vanished forever. He turned his attention back to the seer, who patiently waited for his response. She said that a queen must have a king, and it was rumoured that he's very hard to find. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what you want me to tell you. He shifted uncomfortably, looking down at the floor. Memories of his wife floated back to him, and he willed them to go away. "'You need to seek the help of the forest. They are key. It is not only your fight, but theirs too.' Maitland looked up at the seer, meeting his gaze. The seer smiled warmly. Thank you, Maitland. The answer I seek has been there the whole time. Maitland again shifted uncomfortably. What is troubling you, my dear friend? The seer raised an eyebrow. My wife told me that some humans have joined the Assaur. They have the same evil hearts, intent on destruction and suffering. I don't know how many, but I guess they could be classed as a threat and an enemy. What you say is correct, Maitland. It has crossed my mind that there would be some foolish souls to seek some sort of acceptance from the Assault. It comes as no surprise. Please finish your tea and go and get some rest. Maitland nodded and drowned the rest of his tea. The seer watched him leave, a heavy weight on his shoulders. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care everyone and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.